you are listening to Midtown Conversations. My name is Danielle DeVoe, and this week we have a couple of really fun interviews. The first is from our From the Archives series. In this interview, Sean Gobi interviews Emily Slofstra from Cycle Waterloo Region, and this took place in 2019 in my dining room in our squeaky chairs and it's a great interview emily is really uh, expresses a lot of critiques of cycling infrastructure in in midtown and around our city and our region and i thought it would be a great interview to pair with a new interview with emily slofstra so i caught up with emily slofstra the other week and we chatted about some of the great changes that have happened since 2019 so you get to hear 2019 emily and then update from Emily in 2022 about how, uh, how cycling infrastructure has developed in our city over these past three years and, and, and what her hopes for the future of cycling in, in, the, in Waterloo Region are. So thank you so much for joining me on Midtown Conversations today. Here is our double feature interview of Emily Slofstra talking about cycling in the region. This is Conversations for Change on Midtown Radio. I'm Sean Gobi, and we're here with Emily Slofstra. So you've been doing a lot of work uh, advocating for better cycling infrastructure in uh, Waterloo Region. Um, why is our community's relationship with cycling important? Well, as I learned last night at the new transportation exhibit at the Regional Museum, uh, there's been cycling stuff happening here since the 1890s. I learned that the first hmm. like separated infrastructure was in Galt in 1896, which is kind of cool. Really? Uh, and it's gone in ebbs and flows since then. I know my dad used to bike here from Brampton when he was a teenager, um, just because he was going to school here. And every once in a while, he'd bike here and bike all around town. And I think it's changed a lot over the years. And I mean, I can go on about the benefits of cycling, how... You know, you see people on the street, you can say hi, it's good for your health, it's good for your environment, it's good for your pocketbook. Mm. Um, so as an example, last night I had to drive to get to the museum because you can't really bike there safely. So uh, I was driving home in my SUV and I decided to drive down Duke Street, which normally I wouldn't do through downtown Kitchener because mm-hmm. it's not a great spot to drive. It's like, oh, I want to bike or I want to drive beside the train and I want to see things. And I saw several people on bikes and like... Oh, I know those people. If I was on my bike, I could wave to them and say hi and stop and we could chat. And I'm like, but I'm in my SUV and I can't. And this is one reason why I don't like driving for many other reasons why I wasn't happy being in my SUV. Yeah. <laughs> or not my SUV, a borrowed SUV. Yeah. But um, it was just kind of highlighted one of the many reasons why I love cycling and why just getting out on the street, even as a pedestrian or even taking the train now that we have the eye on, is just so much nicer to be able to get out and really see your community. Um, sort of from the ground level rather than inside your car. Absolutely. I'm definitely a fan of being able to see the environment that I'm in and not be kind of uh, kept away from it by by a glass and steel bubble. Yeah. Um, now, now, actually going down the path of trying to advocate for the better infrastructure, what, what brought you to being not just a user of our kind of cycling infrastructure for, for better and worse, mm-hmm. um, to actually feeling a need to put time into uh, uh, trying to make improvements to it? It was actually some of the changes that we saw in Midtown that really spurred me to start asking for better infrastructure. So with the development of the ION, we saw King Street went from four lanes where it was still relatively comfortable to bike on, and Weaver went from two lanes to four lanes. 
So King Street now is the Ion, and it has a very strange design where they have these edge lines that run in and out, which a lot of people don't realize aren't bike lanes, aren't designed to be bike friendly. So if you're ever biking on King Street from uptown to downtown, just be very aware of your surroundings <laughs> because cyclists don't know what to do, drivers yeah. don't know what to do. So the the, yeah. the four inch bike lane isn't in fact a bike lane. Right, yeah. that is correct. <laughs> um, and then Weber Street just got much more hostile to cyclists as well. And it was just kind of, I was surprised. I'd always thought that, oh, they're putting in a train. They'll do something better for cycling as well. And I kind of had faith in our regional governments to do that at the time because we were starting to see so much. We were starting to see improvements. So we were seeing more bike lanes through Waterloo. Um, Kitchener started by Kitchener around 2015, I believe. And so they were doing more in the downtown. But then with the LRT, it was just, it was gone. Like any other momentum, they were going to put in protected bike infrastructure on Duke Street, but then that got ripped up for the Ion instead as well. So we really, they lost a lot of opportunities and I didn't want to see any more missed opportunities. So getting that, that sort of last mile connection to the train, I think there's so many improvements that could be made um, of getting people to the ION or even just around the community. Uh, we also started seeing in Midtown especially, but across the region, some very loud advocates for cycling on mm -hmm. Twitter and on social media. So trying to take some of that momentum of like, wow, people are really talking about this now. People have been talking about cycling for years and doing some amazing advocacy work behind the scenes with TriTag and some other organizations, but there wasn't really a cycling specific organization. So we started Cycle WR about a year and a half ago. So in 2017, our first meetings, and then we went from there and just kept building momentum. Um, and now we're, we have meetings with regional counselors and staff and everyone <laughs> that we can basically to try to get better infrastructure across the region. Um, you mentioned Twitter and there was a, a, a line I saw circulating a couple of weeks ago, which is that the cyclist on the sidewalk is the indicator species of bad urban design. Mm -hmm. um, what does, so for, for those people who aren't cyclists, who primarily are drivers or pedestrians or, or transit users, I mean, how does good or bad cycling infrastructure impact them? Well, I think, I mean, even I as a driver, when there's a cyclist in front of me, I get nervous because I'm like, oh man, what if I don't have a meter to pass? Because you have to give a full meter. If you're passing somebody, you can't just buzz them really closely. Um, or if I see somebody on the sidewalk, I get nervous that if I'm turning right up ahead, that they might scoot ahead of me or they won't. And then we'll have to try to figure things out. Whereas if you have the actual proper infrastructure, um, you know that the bike's gonna be in the bike lane, ideally a protected bike lane. You know uh, at the intersection, maybe there'll be a sign that says no right turn on red and there'll be priority to the cyclist or there won't be. And it really, it separates out all users because cyclists aren't the same as cars or pedestrians. Uh, and now that we're seeing more mobility devices, so e-bikes and scooters, where are they supposed to go as well? Because they go a little faster than bikes and they probably shouldn't be interacting with uh, pedestrians as much either. So when everybody has their own place, it's so much easier for the entire traffic system to move effectively. So we were just talking in the break that this is a time of year where I'm pumping up my bike tires. I'm trying to find my little bike fix tool so that my handlebars don't just keep rolling around every time I touch them. Um, and I live in Midtown and it comes to mind, you know, how on earth do I actually get around here? Uh, where I live, there's a terrible stretch of Park Street right behind the hospital, which is my most direct line to work. So when I'm thinking of commuting, the 
there's a good chunk of it where there isn't a bike lane and the chunk of it that has a bike lane. At one point, the bike lane is so narrow, the bike symbol can't even fit in the bike lane. Um, Emily, you do much more biking around Midtown than I do. How do you navigate this um, openness of a, of a neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Well, I live and I work in Midtown, so I do bike here quite a bit, but I have a very specific route that is very short, <laughs> which helps. So, um, like, I just... I bike through a couple of residential streets and then I bike through a cemetery the wrong way down a one-way road Mm -hmm. and then I bike through a parking lot at a grocery store (laughs) and then I bike on King Street um, when I get to work and I try not to get hit and that's my commute and most of it is not actual infrastructure at all like it's Mm -hmm. not even appropriate roads like it's a one-way street through a cemetery and it's a parking lot and everything so it's it's a very interesting little area because we don't really have any cycling specific infrastructure, even though there are tons of people who bike here or would bike here. Like when you look at the footprint of how many people would live and work in Midtown or at least nearby, or at least would get transportation nearby, there's so much potential for converting people to being either cyclists or pedestrians. Well, this seems like the, you know, really the transportation choke point for Kitchener Waterloo, mm-hmm. uh, for people who maybe live uptown and work downtown or live downtown yeah. and work uptown. Um, there's so many people who have to go through Midtown. Um, it always seems strange that the infrastructure has is so weak at different mm-hmm. points. Yeah, I actually met with a regional engineer this week who was like, oh, well, if you're going you know, from uptown to downtown, take the Iron Horse. Like, that makes no sense. I live on the other side of King Street. I work like on this side of the Iron Horse Trail as well. Yeah. And all my friends live on the other side of the Iron Horse Trail as well. So most of my friends are actually concentrated on the block we're currently sitting on. Mm-hmm. So uh, between Park Street and Groon and um, Walter. So I'm over here all the time. So if I'm not going to work, my other option to get across King is through the KCI parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like that's not infrastructure either. I'm like, feel really sketchy doing this during the day but I'm not going all the way down to Agnes or I'm not going all the way up to whatever and trying to navigate mm-hmm. on these roads where people are terrible drivers like the number of times I've almost been hit around the hospital just trying to get to work or to people's houses and like at least I've never almost been hit there and this weird little <laughs> jog that I have to do coming yeah. home I go on the sidewalk and... at least I'm not going to get hit in the cemetery or in the high school parking lot. yes yeah it's unlikely parking lots are pretty sketchy but it's it's been good every time teachers seem pretty conscientious it seems <laughs> um so yeah, there's there's the Midtown Parts Plan that the City of Kitchener has. Okay, can you um, detail that a bit more? Mm-hmm. So they went through this whole planning process, planning around rapid transit stations, which looked at what they can do to make either growth happen or community happen around the, all the different transit stations. So that's one of them is Midtown, and they have Central, and then Rockway. There's they didn't do every single station in Kitchener, but. Um, so Midtown's one of the ones that they did. So that would include the Grand River Hospital Station mm-hmm. up to about halfway to the Central Station. And they looked at things like those crossings from one side of King to the other or to the, the roads past that and how people can get around and how we need more green space. But unfortunately, even though they, I think they sort of approved it, there's no actual plan to implement any of it. Hmm. So they have this plan that says, yes, we need more green space. We need more pedestrian and cycling connections. And here's where they could even be. But... They just retrofitted or completed the construction around KCI when they did the ION, so they made it newer and harder to bike through. So it's not like they're going to go now spend, you know, a ton of money to fix it again, <laughs> um, unfortunately. 
unless there's either a lot of community pressure or once we do see some more of those high rises go in like the former 60 and mm. a few others then maybe there'll be some more pressure or we'll see some more informal crossings put in but yeah it's unfortunate for now that we're kind of in a holding pattern of just wait and see and see when they get some funding or when there's enough pressure the city's also working on the cycling master plan yep. so that'll have some of those types of connections in it as well but they may not be a priority because right now i can bike through it's just awkward and if you like my cousin just moved in around this corner and i was like well here's how i get there it won't show up on google maps <laughs> but here's the fastest route to our house i've tested it over many years um and they're like okay so i go up this hill through the to the high school and then <laughs> like yep that's how we do it so it's kind of in some ways it's kind of neat that we have these informal little pathways and desire lines but it's also mm -hmm. frustrating in a city that says it prioritizes um active transportation and a region that says it prioritizes active transportation is there anywhere you think that we could kind of as a community learn from in terms of setting up our active transportation infrastructure uh across canada for sure there's a few different cities that have been really pushing for better active transportation and cycling especially so edmonton and calgary i'll be in alberta this summer so i'm really excited mm -hmm. to see but i know they have a more of a grid system for their roads and I think that's so much easier to set things up when you start with a grid. Um, Montreal and Ottawa, so I'm hoping to go to Ottawa as well in the near future because they have a similar type of road system mm -hmm. where there's mm -hmm. more, more winding curves. roads and everything, a um, little more organic kind of. So I think that, but they've done a great job of really prioritizing active transportation from what I've seen. Um, I mean, if you go to Europe, it's all over the place everywhere. Well many parts there's um it's so much friendlier to walk and bike places i mean that gets into a whole thing that i've been thinking of lately is even if we build really great infrastructure we're having so many issues with drivers so we've seen mm. it with people hitting the trains recently where you know people have been saying for a long time that people don't look before they turn it's either left turns where they're not looking or u-turns or right turn on red where people don't actually stop mm. they just kind of blow through and so pedestrians and cyclists and even people who've been driving who've been hit um, we've been saying this for years and now when the train's been hit five times it's sort of like oh maybe we have a problem here <laughs> so how do we tackle that bigger picture and i also heard on the news recently that ontario is the least happy of all the provinces really? so collectively we're yeah. we rank the lowest and probably southern ontario especially and sort of it fits into a bigger picture of you know some of the issues with the culture in southern Ontario of we're all just rushing to get to our jobs and not caring about other people and so how do we tackle that as a big picture issue to make cycling better where cycling is sort of or cycling on the sidewalk is an indicator species of you know we're not happy or something mm -hmm. like cycling makes you happy I'd say um, not that I want to get all people out biking but also that just that people will recognize that even if they're driving that a cyclist is a human being and that they deserve to get places too so give them a little space and if everybody was a little happier then we would all interact a little bit better well we're hoping to promote better interactions here amongst our <laughs> so um... I am here with Emily Slofstra, founder of Cycle Waterloo Region. Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Danielle. 
So you founded uh, Cycle Waterloo Region um, in what year? That's a good question. It feels like a lifetime ago, but it was about 2018 when we really got going. And what in 2018, what, what were the problems that you thought, mm -hmm. we, can, we can solve these problems. If we just work together, we can do it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, there's been growing momentum for decades around cycling and active transportation in the region. But it was, there was a lot of animosity on Twitter and there'd been a lot of movement towards the LRT, but no cycling specific movements outside of like the active transportation committees um, at the different municipalities. And there was a lot of concern from like staff members and city council, just about like they were getting attacked a lot by cyclists and people didn't know where to direct their energy. So they didn't know whether it was like, is council not on board with cycling or is it staff members not on board with cycling? And yeah, just lots of interest in it, but nowhere to channel that energy. So I got together with some other cycling friends in the neighborhood and met some new people and proceeded to form a new organization. And how close have you gotten to achieving sort of some of your big goals? I mean, certainly cycling is much more a topic of discussion publicly. We hear much more about it. Is that, was that sort of one of your main objectives? That you were yeah, to? definitely just raising the profile. There's sort of multiple objectives. It's you want to raise the profile of cycling and get people out there and active, but if they don't have the infrastructure, even if somebody's like, this looks like fun, they may just quit right away. Like, I know different people who have gotten a bike over the years and just been like, this looked really great, but I'm scared. <laughs> They're not going to commit to it. So our primary objective was infrastructure, and still is infrastructure, because if you build it, they will come. Um, and if you don't, it's not going to happen. And the municipalities have signed on to committing to climate action, um, and a big part of that is transforming our transportation system. So, yeah, we, we're getting closer. <laughs> Some people would say that it's still terrible, and other people would say it's fantastic. When we last interviewed you in 2019, you had some pretty negative things to say about cycling in Midtown specifically. So, lack of good uh, cycling infrastructure, uh, not safe uh, to be sort of the intersection between cars and buses, and then the LRT on top of that made things even more complicated, more problematic. Do you still feel like Midtown is kind of a neglected area in terms of how it's serving cyclists, or have you seen some changes? It's really interesting because around Midtown, like to get around it, you can do a beautiful loop on the Iron Horse and the Spur Line, and it's fantastic. So it's harder, it feels, to say that it's fully neglected now because you can get from Midtown to Uptown or Downtown, depending on where in Midtown you live, quite easily, um, which is really nice. <laughs> so I think my feelings have probably tempered a little bit on that, but to get from one side to the other, like if I were to go from my house to your house or something, there's still so many gaps and that's still really challenging. There's not really a lot of attention to it, unfortunately. So if I were to go with my kids or something, I would still have to take sidewalks and um, there wouldn't really be infrastructure specifically. But there is going to be a new trail between the Iron Horse and um, downtown Kitchener just before, so right at the edge of Midtown. So that'll really help, I think, to really connect that. And we're seeing a little bit more in Waterloo, just of trying to make like bikeways and Union Street's going to be transformed as well. So I think over the next couple of years, we'll start to see some of those gaps filled a little bit. Yeah, so there are, yeah, as you say, there's some beautiful trails. You know, you look at the trail map and it looks beautiful, but you're sort of, if you're stuck right in the middle of those things, you still have to take Park Street or something and, or Glasgow and it's quite, quite difficult. So that has been my experience as well. The other thing we talked about in 2019 that I wanted to sort of update our listeners on was just this idea of the planning process, that there had been a really extensive planning process, or at least Midtown was a, the subject of study, that people knew they needed to improve infrastructure in Midtown. 
Uh, and and there, there was sort of approval in principle of this idea that with these LRT stops that there would need to be uh, better infrastructure to get people sort of from their homes to those LRT stops. Do you, but at the time you had said, you know, it was frustrating because it was sort of approved in principle, but then there was no actual plan in place for any kind of action on any of these things. Do you feel like uh, some of that has been realized? That's a good question. I don't know if I've paid enough attention to have a definitive answer on it as, you know, I've been a nurse through the pandemic. So if there might be some plans that I'm missing, I don't think there's really been a whole lot of action on some of those things. Uh, like I said, it's more on the periphery, like the a couple trails just outside of that really core, like right around Grand River Hospital. There's not a whole lot, even though we could do more to improve that. But as you might know, um, the hospitals are actually talking about like combining into one hospital system and making a new hospital, revamping Grand River Hospital in the next 15 years. So I suspect that around that, there may be some changes there that could be worth advocating for. So it's worth keeping an eye on. It's, I know it's a long game, but um, they've just redone all the roads, so we may not see much until they kind of maybe transform a little bit of that area. And they're going to be putting in more like high rises and other dense housing, I'm sure, over the next bunch of years. So I think there's hope that it'll get better. Certainly the narrative in redevelopment for buildings that we've seen in our area is that there's there's sort of a sense that people are going to be cycling rather than owning cars. At least that's the argument that the developers are making when they want to have fewer parking spots and, and do these kinds of things. So there is kind of the, the cyclists in theory living in Midtown is certainly being actively discussed whether or not that's uh, come to fruition. Um, I think, you know, so we've discussed Midtown a lot and we have, we obviously being Midtown residents have our own personal complaints, but um, overall in the region, we've seen a lot of cycling infrastructure being sort of um, uh, committed to. Um, So, you know, there were some pilot projects on some major roads that um, by and large were not popular with car drivers, but uh, the municipalities still chose to pursue some of those and make them permanent infrastructure. And it's sort of like, d- despite the backlash, they're making the decision, we know this is important, we know this is the city we want to build. So how have you felt sort of watching some of those, if you've had any time? I know you're a nurse during the pandemic. When, when could you possibly cycle downtown? But maybe once or twice you were able to do it. Yes. So the funny thing is I actually drive for work now as a, a home like primary care nurse. So I see a lot more of it developing from my car, which is not what I expected to be at this stage, but it's really nice to see. And it doesn't impact my commute, like uh, driving downtown every day. I can see more and more bike lanes being built every day. And I'm like, this is great. Like it, maybe there's construction for a week and then it's back to normal. And um, so personally I get to experience from that side. So nobody can ever like call me out on that again in the future of, you know, being too into bikes or something to really understand the other side. But you can see it on some a lot of the other permanent projects that haven't really made a dent in traffic or vehicle traffic. Um, but they will be increasing cyclists like year over year. There were a couple of temporary projects that didn't get made permanent. But I think it kind of changed perspective on, say, Westmount and a few other roads. Um, I know on Bridgeport and Herb, they're talking about they're going to be redoing those in a couple of years. So they are looking at putting something back in permanently on those different roads. So... I think, again, we'll be seeing some more major changes in the years to come. Well, and it is nice to see that uh, willingness to test, mm-hmm. to try it out, to see, is this the right place to put the bike infrastructure? Where where would it be better? Because as, we, as we've said, there is great bike infrastructure kind of around us, mm-hmm. but what's the solution to, uh, you know, in terms of these more established neighborhoods, in terms of getting it in? Um, 
related to bikes, I think, is just the shift that we're seeing in the cities. They've both, you know, both cities have voted to reduce speed lim limits recently. Uh, in addition to actively installing bike lanes, there have been pedestrianized streets and, and sort of just a push towards making more spaces less dangerous for all involved. And I wonder if you're, you're seeing a potential future in which we're not a car-first streetscape. Like, do you think that the cities are really ma doing, making the right decisions and making them fast enough to really achieve that? I think we are seeing a gradual shift. And as each project goes in, you maybe see like a, you will see some sudden shifts as well on certain roads. I know I've noticed just biking with my kids or running or biking by myself, that cars will stop for you now. I don't remember that ever happening before. Like rarely would they ever stop for you. Like you go to other cities like in Alberta and in Europe and cars are constantly stopping at any crossing for pedestrians. And here they're starting to do that too. So like I can run all the way from my house from on the spur line to uptown and barely have to stop because cars are constantly stopping for me. And I was like, that never used to happen. It's very cool to see that that little shift in driver mentality of watching for cyclists, watching for pedestrians, um, it's starting to change a little bit. So I think there's hope that drivers will kind of slow down on the rest of the streets across the region um, and we'll see some of those shifts that we're hoping to see. Yeah, well, and I think as, as um, you know, we're both mothers of young children and so I think this, you know, I don't ride my bike very much because it's not safe for my children to ride their bikes in any of the places that I would like to ride my bike and so that's a real, a real barrier to families just being able to have that active living and going out and to enjoy their, their city in sort of... Um, at street level and in real time. This is another thing that you talked about in 2019. You complained about if you were driving and you saw cyclists, or if you were biking, there are people you know, you could stop, you could chat, you could say hi, but you're really alienated from the street in your car because mm -hmm. you're not that direct. And so, um, you know, I wonder about that, what cycling can do for communities, not just in terms of the livability aspects, but, but in, in making people be able to experience their communities more. And certainly you've, you've lived that a lot, you know. How do you feel like your experience of this city is different, or these cities yeah. is different uh, from the vantage point of a bike than a, a car? I think it's really important. Um, just coming up here tonight to meet with you, I saw so many parents with their kids on the back of their bikes, just on the spur line, just you know, chatting away, and I think it's such a great way for kids to experience the city, and I know a friend of mine yesterday was just saying that, like, her daughter was able to give her grandmother directions to get to home because she knew so many more landmarks that maybe she wouldn't notice in a car. Um, so that's a really cool way to just interact with the city, and I know my kids too. We tend to scoot a little bit more, or they scoot, and I run beside them, or uh, we mix up our modes of transportation a little bit more too because, again, like you said, biking isn't always the safest way to get somewhere. But I think it's really great for them to be able to experience that, the city in that way, to really connect with their surroundings and, and again, be able to chat and stop and see their friends if they see them. And um, I don't know if I talked about this in 2019. I feel like I might have because I probably ranched about it a lot. But we used to go uptown Waterloo a lot more often and rarely go to Kitchener because we could get uptown really easily on the trail and to get to Kitchener was almost impossible safely. And now all of a sudden there's these it's almost all protected infrastructure for us to get downtown. So now we have suddenly a whole new city to explore that we never really went to before. So we did, we would go there. <laughs> we didn't completely avoid it, but um, now we can maybe get to KPL instead of WPL and just to kind of expand their experiences a little bit more, which is going to be exciting in the next couple of years. 
And I will note for listeners that there's a very stinky gas smell in some loud vehicles going by, which you don't get from bicycles at all. <laughs> our environment just got really, really petroly, petroly. Yes. Our air quality just went down. Okay. Unless you have those mm-hmm. uh, e-bikes that are not regulation. Right. <laughs> Sometimes those can be stinky too. And loud. And yeah. loud. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to come back and chat with us and update listeners on the the cycling, the questions of cycling infrastructure and whether or not we can be a sort of cycling and pedestrian first city um, cities as we as we grow. So uh, it's been great hearing your insights and um, really thank you for all of the advocacy work that you've done. Well, it is also an election year, so mm-hmm. in October of this year, you'll be able to vote for the candidates that you think will vote for a progressive or work for a progressive city so keep an eye out for what cycle w is up to if you are interested in voting about these sorts of issues and we'll hopefully have some materials and things on our website where you can kind of figure out which candidate might most align with your values that's great and so what's your web address just for our listeners Uh, cyclewr.ca great thank you so much for coming in emily thanks danielle You are listening to Midtown Conversations. You just heard Sean Gobi's 2019 interview with Emily Slofstra from Cycle Waterloo Region, as well as my 2022 interview with Emily, where we go back to some of those same problems that she was experiencing in 2019 and talk about some of the new solutions that we've seen in our community. Thanks so much for listening to Midtown Conversations this week. My name is Danielle DeVoe, and you can reach out to us anytime at Midtown Radio KW on Instagram or Twitter, or just check out our website for any of our updates and new event listings. Thanks so much for listening.